This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. Uh, Eric Stites is our uh, congregation planter for New City Holden Heights. He's going to preach again this morning. Uh, the reason for that is because there's no reason for me to come back from Mumbai and try and preach. Uh, but the bigger reason is because as Eric is learning how to be a church planner, uh, some of the advice we've been given is to have our residents um, and our interns, but our residents particularly preach multiple weeks in a row to see what that feels like, uh, to not have a long time to prepare a sermon and then have another long time to prepare the next sermon, but to go through the rigors of ministry and life and, and to preach regularly. And so uh, we're super excited about the core group that uh, Eric and Kristen and Demetrius and Amy have put together for Holden Heights in hopes of sending them out next year. And so uh, Eric will be preaching for us again this morning. Uh, With that being said, please stand. Please stand and we will pray together uh, this corporate prayer of illumination, realizing this morning that for us to understand, uh, for us to repent, for us to believe, for us to experience change, it's gonna be the work of God uh, through men and not the work of man. So let's pray together. Teach us your way, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. The text is Galatians 1, 10 to 24. It's rather long. If you're physically able, I would ask you to remain standing. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's, Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Uh, well, good morning again. Um, as Ted said, I'm, I'm Eric Stites. Uh, it is good to be with you uh, for the second time um, this morning. I really do appreciate the opportunity, as, as Ted said, to, to feel what it's like uh, to preach twice in a row. And I'd like to say that it was uh, uh, great, but there, I know there were things um, in Holden Heights and, and in my family that, that were plates that were spinning that, that dropped, I'm sure. Um, but it was the time of, of growth uh, for me, so I really do appreciate the opportunity uh, this morning. 
Well, well, we continue on uh, in this series on Galatians. If this is your first time with us, uh, or if you've missed a couple of weeks, or, or even if you were here last week, we need to be reminded of a few things again about this book, I think. Uh, the book of Galatians, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to, to churches, uh, which he had recently planted. Uh, and, and he gets down to business quickly in this letter. Uh, there's hardly an introduction. There's hardly any formalities, uh, no niceties. He just jumps in and says, what in the world is going on in Galatia with, with, with you Galatians? You've already forgotten the gospel. You're, you're trying to move on to other things. You're trying to add to it. But you can't, Paul says. You, you can't add to it. The gospel is the whole message. And so last week we heard uh, Paul defend uh, the authority of the message that he got straight from Jesus' own lips uh, and that he's passed on to us in Scripture. Well, this week we encounter Paul's story, his experience, his testimony of the gospel working in his own life. And what we see as we read Paul's story uh, is a changed man, a man who has changed from the inside out. Now, now, when we hear about a man uh, genuinely changed from the inside out, it, it's intriguing to us. We love stories of change. That's why we watch uh, shows like The Biggest Loser or Extreme Home Makeover or whatever the show is. We, we love uh, things about change. We love to see transformation. That's because for most of us, we want to be changed too. Why is that? What, what motivates us in our desire to change I think if, if we take a deep look in our hearts, we'll see there's, there's a common theme, and that's that we are chasing glory. Uh, we want to have significance. We want to have impact. We want to be noticed. And when we look in the mirror uh, and we look at what's staring back at us, we want to be proud of what we see. We're chasing glory. That's the story of, of every star athlete. It's the story uh, of every world-famous musician and author, uh, scholar, artist, business people. It's the story of us. It's the story of me and you. Well, Paul was chasing glory too. But Paul was changed. Paul was changed. Now, wouldn't it be amazing uh, if God could change us too, like he did Paul? Well, I've got good news. He can change us, and he does change us. And in this passage, God is crying out and saying, listen, if I can change Paul, I can change anyone. I can change you. And so as we look at the life of Paul in these 15 verses, as I read it, three questions come to my mind. The first is, what was the driving force in Paul's life? We'll find that it's the driving force in most of our lives as well. The second question is, what changed Paul? And the third question is, what was the end result of all that? Well, our outline for this morning answers those three questions. First, uh, the approval of man. That was the driving force in Paul's life, and it's the driving force in ours. Second, the pleasure of God. That's what changed Paul's life. And finally, the result is the third point, the glory of the gospel. That's the result in Paul's life. So first, the approval of man. Uh, look at verse 10. Paul says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
Listen, at some point in Paul's life, the driving force behind everything that he was doing was the desire to please man, to gain man's approval, to chase after glory. Well, what does it mean to please man? We have to flesh that out a little bit. Well, to please men, uh, this is something that happens when, when you and I, we, we misplace uh, the fear of God for the fear of man. Now, the fear of God's kind of a weird word for us because it, it sounds like we're just supposed to be uh, scared of God, uh, that he's a, a scary person. Uh, but, but when we understand it, the, the way the Bible sees it, when we fear God, it's that we stand in awe of him and of who he is. And so now if we replace the fear of God with the fear of man, we're putting man in the same place. Standing in awe of man, wanting man to give us some sense of significance. And so what does that start to look like? Well, we start to care about what other people think of us. Uh, We desire to prove ourselves to people. We adjust our lives to other people's agendas, their opinions, uh, their desires, their interests. All so we can do what? So we can get their approval. So we start to measure our lives based on what other people think about us. Uh, And I think that usually leads uh, to two ways of living our life. And we actually do both of them. We just go back and forth. Um, At one point, we become so overwhelmed with the desire, I need to change, I need to change, that we we become neurotic. We read every book, uh, we attend seminars, we we go to the gym, we make New Year's resolutions, we read blogs. Oh my, do we read blogs. And on and on it goes. And then when we're tired of all that, we, we go to the other end. Denial. I don't need to change. I don't care what anybody thinks. Liar. You do care what people think. And where that ends up for most of us, many of us, is some kind of addictive behavior that that numbs us out to that reality that that I want to be changed. What does all that sound like to you? It's bondage. It's nothing but bondage. Now, we all have our own version of this. Paul, Paul had his version if you look at verses 13 and 14, you, get, you can see it. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Listen, Paul had a former life. It was a life of striving for the approval of others. He says, I was advancing in Judaism. That, that word is so interesting, advancing. It literally means to beat forward. I was beating my way forward in Judaism. Paul wasn't just making his way lazily uh, through the ranks of Judaism. No, no, no. He was at the top of his class. He was the valedictorian. He was the nerd with all of the answers. And he knew he had all the answers. He knew he was right. He keeps going. Paul says, I wasn't just zealous. That's already a strong word. He says, I was extremely zealous. And for what? Oh, the traditions of God, right? No, no, what does he say? I was zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Of my fathers. Paul was zealous for the approval of men. Somewhere along the way, Paul, like us, uh, had fallen prey uh, to fearing man. He was a Jew. He, He knew all about God. And yet he was zealous for the traditions of his fathers. Man-pleasing, glory-chasing, bondage. Well, in the early church, uh, we have a story of a new Christian, a new believer named Stephen, uh, who was testifying about Jesus before a large crowd. And when Stephen uh, finished his speech, he's 
telling people Jesus is the way of salvation, the people become enraged at what he's saying. And so they decide we need to stone this guy. And and as Stephen is being killed uh, in the crowd, people are laying down their garments at another man's feet. There's another man who's who's proudly approving of this, this whole thing. Who was that? It was Paul. That was the zeal of Paul, to to have people honor him at the stoning of a follower of Jesus. He had passion. You could see it in his eyes. And it was bondage. He was in bondage to the approval of men. So, of course, what do we say? Oh, that's terrible. Oh, my gosh, Paul, what are you doing? Killing Christians. Well, I would say welcome to the world of you and me. Welcome to our world. We all have those same stories of pounding our way forward in life just like Paul. It looks like lots of things. It looks like ambition. We work 80 hours a week for the approval of our boss and the approval of our spouse at home who expects a certain standard of living and the approval of our neighbor who who sees the car that we drive and the house that we live in and the boats that we have and the clothes we wear and on and on. We, we, We beat our way past our coworkers so we can be the best on the job. It looks like deception. You know, putting on a show, right, for other people when we know that they're watching us. We start to lie to maintain that, that image of, of who we are. Uh, we tidy up our house before people come over as if we, we lived perfectly like that all the time. Uh, we, we pray that our kids won't act up in front of other people so they'll think we're the greatest parents. Uh, we develop extra rules uh, about what Uh, Christians do so that we can be super spiritual. Uh, I read the Bible 14 hours and I prayed for 12. There's only 24 hours in the day. I've read every Tim Keller book. I I raise my kids this way. I send my kids to this school. On and on. And and here's how we know um, that we are in serious bondage. We've become great uh, critics. With logs uh, sticking out of our own eyes, uh, we have the audacity to look at our neighbor and find the smallest of splinter in their eye and say, can you believe what she did? Can you believe what he said? Now, I know all of this is true right now, in this very moment, uh, because I feel the, the weight of those chains of bondage uh, right now. As I stand here before you, I want your approval. Uh, when I walk down from here, there's nothing I, I want more uh, probably, uh, then for everyone to come and say, that was great. What a great sermon. You changed my life. Ugh, what bondage. What, what is that? It's bondage. That's all it is. Man-pleasing, approval-seeking, glory-chasing. It's driving force of my life. It's the driving force of our life, of Paul's life. And it's bondage. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we need to be freed from the bondage. And Paul tells us this is how it happens. Paul tells us freedom comes in the pleasure of God. Uh, So first, the approval of man, that was Paul's driving force and ours as well. But second, the pleasure of God. That's what changed Paul and it's what changes us. So listen, there there was not a man uh, who had every reason to think that he had won God's God's affection more than Paul. Uh, He was the Jew of Jews. He'd kept the law perfectly. 
He prayed perfectly. He tithed perfectly. He cut his hair perfectly. He didn't have tattoos. He kept the Sabbath. He read scripture on and on and on. He was a goody two-shoes. He was trying to win God's approval, though, through his obedience, and it wasn't working. He was simply glorifying himself. Uh, Look at the way Paul writes the letter. Uh, Up until this point, even, uh, it's all I, I, I. Me, me, me. Look, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God, and I was advancing in Judaism. I was so extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And then three little words punch us in the face. Verse 15, look at it. But when he, that's God, but when God, when God showed up, that's when the tables turned for Paul. That's when the tables turn. Up until that Paul, up until that point, Paul was doing all the acting. Now, Paul was, was reaching out and doing everything. And in this moment, all of a sudden, he's receiving the action. He's getting acted upon. What happened to Paul? God happened to Paul. And so look at verses 16, 15 and 16 in their entirety. It says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. So what happened? It pleased God to reveal Jesus to Paul, to call him. In other words, Paul had no control over God's calling. It certainly wasn't because Paul was such a great person. Do we already forget this was the same guy who was standing with garments being thrown at his feet as a man was being stoned for his faith in Christ? Paul was opposed to the faith. So no, it wasn't because of Paul God initiated. It was God's choice to call a man whose heart was cold and murderous and to change it. Listen, the gospel is not just a set of facts that we understand and affirm with our mind. No, the gospel happens to us. The gospel happens to us. It's a power. The gospel is, but when God. And so now... In the gospel, something happens to Paul. He, he got something that he'd never had before. Uh, before the gospel happened, Paul was trying to please men, but when the gospel happened, God was pleased with Paul. God was pleased with Paul, not because Paul had done anything, but because Jesus had done everything. There's only one person that God is well pleased with, and it's his own beloved son, Jesus. Jesus obeyed fully, he loved fully, he died for sinners like us, was raised from the dead fully in victory. Now that is what was pleasing to God. And so in the gospel we find out that when God saw Paul, he saw Jesus now. When God saw Paul, he saw that perfection and that righteousness of Jesus in Paul. And so God could say to Paul, I am well pleased with you. I delight in you. I sing songs over you. Do you know that's true about you in the gospel? That it pleases God to call you and give you all of his delight. When God sees us as believers, he sees Jesus and he says, I am well pleased with you. Uh, Eight eight and a half months ago, I I had a son. Um, He has... All of my delight. I don't care what you say. Um, he's also, he's cuter than your son. Um, he walks, uh, sorry, he doesn't walk. He crawls better than your son. He will walk soon. Uh, his smile is bigger than your son. He's my son. And I delight in him. 
Don't you see that's the gospel? That we have the love of the Father like I have from my son. And he says, in you I am well pleased. And so do you see what happens here? This is what happened for Paul and it can happen for us. When we have God's pleasure, we're freed from the bondage of pleasing men. That's why Paul is able to say in verse 10, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. In the gospel, Paul's allegiance was shifted. Uh, The gospel had freed him from the bondage of pleasing men and it had freed him up to serve his father in gratitude for what had been done for him. See, when Sam gets older, um, and, and he's, he's playing sports, maybe t-ball at this point, um, as he sits in the dugout, I will love him like crazy. Um, and, and if he gets up to bat and, and he forgets everything I've taught him, which probably won't be very much, but if he forgets everything that I've taught him at that point and he strikes out, it won't change my love for him or my approval of him one bit. Sam will know my love regardless of his performance. And because of that, Sam will long to hit that home run. Not not to gain my love, he already has it. Uh, But for me, because he's already loved. If Sam doesn't know that I love him, then his efforts will be for himself. It'll be to try to win my love, to win my affection. But because he knows I already love him, he's free to swing for the fences. So having the pleasure of God undoes our bondage. Uh, from the approval of men. So what's the result? What's the result? Well, this leads us to our our final point. The glory of the gospel. That that was the result in Paul's life. Uh, Even though Paul was freed from his man-pleasing, there were people accusing Paul of of being a man-pleaser. And why? Because of the message that he was preaching. Uh, Paul's accusers were saying, "Hey, hey, Paul's gospel is easy. It's cheap. It's cute. Paul's gospel says God does everything and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to obey the Jewish ceremonial laws. You don't have to observe certain days and feasts. You don't have to uh, obey the food laws, the cleansing laws. You don't even have to be circumcised in Paul's gospel. Sure, Jesus died and rose again for your sins, but, but you have to do all of these other things too. That's what his accusers were saying. They said it's, it's Jesus plus all these other things. Real Christianity is hard. It's the narrow road. Paul is just pleasing man with his gospel so that he can get a following, so so he can have a big church. That's what Paul's accusers were saying about him. And in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he's saying, no, 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 listen, I've been there. I've done that. That was my whole life in Judaism before the gospel happened to me. I was seeking glory before the gospel happened, and now look at verse 24. They glorified God because of me. They glorified God because of me, not me. Not because I was so awesome, but because God made me a trophy of his grace. And so people glorified God in Paul because of of two simple things. Paul was the most unlikely man, and he brought the most foolish of messages. He was the most unlikely man. Look at verse 23. Paul says that the people were saying about him, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The people around Paul couldn't believe it. 
They were actually scared when he first came around, uh, hoping that he wasn't going to continue doing the things he was before, because this was the man, right, who at one point had had garments thrown down at his feet and watched a man stoned for his faith in Christ. And now that same man is preaching, God called me by his grace in Christ. The most unexpected twist, and yet it has the most effective result. If God changed Paul, he could change anyone. And the only result you could give from that was to God be the glory. And this was all a part of God's plan that he would use the most unlikely man. Even Paul sees that now, looking back on his life. He says, I was set apart from birth. That means that all the terrible things I did, killing the believers and all, was all a part of God's plan so that people, when they saw Paul preaching, what would they say? To God be the glory for what he has done in Paul's life. So Paul, he's the most unlikely man. And he brings with him a foolish message. That's what verses 17 through 22 are, are talking about. Paul is acknowledging, listen, I know this message sounds crazy. I'm telling you, though, it's the truth. It's the gospel. I received it from Christ himself. I didn't talk to anyone for for three years, and then I went to Jerusalem, and and I checked it out with Peter and James and the other apostles, and they said, it checks out. That's the same message that we have. Now, I I call the message foolish because of our call to worship, which Ted explained uh, already, that preaching Christ crucified seems foolish when compared with the wisdom of the world. It doesn't make any sense that that God would purchase us through the death of his son and that then we would receive his pleasure, not by any merit of our own, but simply because God was pleased to call us. Jesus plus nothing makes no sense in our minds. It makes no sense, and I think this is why. It doesn't make sense because we're glory chasers. There's a part of us that, that opposes the gospel because we want to take that credit for our own goodness, that that would be the reason why God would be pleased with us. We want to bring our own glory into the picture. The message of the gospel doesn't allow us to get any of that glory. And that's why Paul could say, they glorified God because of me. I wonder if you've ever had this happen to you before. Um, You're sitting in a restaurant and you're ready to pay for your bill. Uh, you have your credit card out. Um, but as you do so, uh, and you call the waitress over, she says, oh, no, 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 uh, someone has already, already paid for you. Um, you're taken aback for a second, and um, for a moment, you're, you're delighted. Wow, someone, someone paid for me. Um, but, but as you sit there, it, it starts to get a little bit uncomfortable. It, it, it feels like someone's uh, taken that from you, that you want to you wanna pay. You want to handle your business. Well, you have a couple of options. Uh, one would be you get frustrated, you throw your money down on the table, and you storm out of the restaurant. But what, what have you done? Uh, your money is, is, is no good. You, you can't pay the bill again. It's already been paid. Instead, what should you do? Well, you should live in the reality that you've already been paid for. In the gospel, you live in the reality that God takes pleasure in you because of the grace of Christ. In the gospel, God gets all the glory. So when we bring our own merit and our own goodness, it's because we want our own glory. But God says, your merit is no good here because I've already given you my own. 
I would close with, with this, it, asking ourselves a question. Um, do you want to glorify God? Do, do I want to glorify God? There's so many answers that we come up with for this question. And Paul says this, come with nothing. Paul says, stand firm in Jesus, who has earned you the pleasure of God and freed you from the need to please man. Do you want to glorify God? Do I want to glorify God? Paul says, claim Jesus as your righteousness. It's through faith in him that we have the pleasure, and because of that, we give him all the glory, because we have none to claim for ourselves. And it's then that we're free to say, all hail, Redeemer, hail, for he has died for me. His praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, would you forgive us for seeking our own glory, uh, for claiming our own merit, Father, for seeking the approval uh, of men. Father, thank you that, that you are delighted in us, that you are well pleased in us, that you sing songs over us because of Jesus, not because of our own merit. You sing songs because Jesus died for us, earning us your pleasure. Holy Spirit, would you free us from that bondage of pleasing man to seek their approval? And Spirit, would you allow us to rest, uh, to stand firm in Christ, to stand firm in the gospel that you called us uh, by your grace. We ask all this in Jesus' name.